Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Hi there. Welcome to Snow the Goalie. I guess we could say oh yes. I guess we could say oh no. What we can say is that the trade deadline is this Friday. What we can say is that the president of Hockey Ops has ended his silence. He has broken his silence. The embattled president of Hockey Ops has broken his silence. And we're here to break down his broken silence. Friday, the intention is that we'll be back with a trade deadline show where our dear friend Chris Terrian Bundy, who you can find on Twitter at Cterian6, will rejoin us. So just to give you a heads up, expect two Snow the Goalies this week. I know, it's crazy. And that that one later in the week we're going to try to do is a live show. We'll do a live stream on YouTube, and then of course it'll hit the podcast feed as well. Now that I've gotten that programming note out of the way, Anthony. Oh, yes. Welcome into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, but definitely not the Presidential Podcast. I'm Russ Joy. You can find me on Twitter at Joy on Broad, and I'm joined by a man who, um, well, I'm, I have to say, he looks a, a little bit more uh, energized, a little bit more invigorated. It's almost as if he got engaged. And that, of course, <laughs> is Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Philly. How are you doing, you beaut? Yeah, you, yeah. You bamboozled I, a nice lady into uh, saying yes. How about that? Uh, well, it. it could have been the other way around. I mean, <laughs> maybe she, she could bamboozled have you, or that she would have said no. What, what was the other <laughs> way around? <laughs> and the other way around was maybe uh, maybe she pushed for it. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she's wonderful. Maria is the best. Um, I mean, couldn't be couldn't be more excited. Um, you know, we, we've pretty much been doing married life as it is already. I mean, this isn't anything new. It's just a matter of. She got a ring and I got a yes. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. Um, everybody's excited. My kids are excited. Uh, her kids are excited. Um, the, it blew up on Facebook like craziness. And it's great. It's awesome. And, you know, looking forward to uh, having a wedding that maybe uh, Russ Joy will, and his lovely wife, Nancy, will join us at next uh, next summer. We shall see. If nothing else, I'll make sure that I, I bring my mic. We'll do a live show from the back. I told Bundy, like, <laughs> if nothing else, we should definitely do a live podcast from the wedding. We can kind of be like, uh, what are their names from the Muppets? I always forget their names. Waldorf the, and Stadler. Those two. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I can just imagine, like, you're up there and, and like, Anthony comes, just to give you an idea, like, when Anthony writes a, a post for Crossing Broad, usually there's, like, a little back and forth where, like, Kincaid will be like, oh, Jesus, it's like another 3,400-word piece. And I imagine that if you guys do your vows at this wedding, it's going to be at least 6,000 words. So that's going to give Bundy and I plenty of opportunities. <laughs> like when I look into your eyes, I see the, the majesty of, of uh, uh, the beauty of nature and blah, blah, And we could go, the majesty. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I just, I could see it anyway. Um, hey, that's really good. That's really good news. Um, and, and I'm, I'm happy that you're happy. And yeah. now I have to make you sad. Uh, because we have to talk about 
what has been going on with the Flyers. And mm-hmm. um, I said last week, and this sucks, Anthony, because I, it, it's ever since we've done this show together. We've had like half of a good season one time to enjoy Flyers hockey. But for the most part, since we started this show almost five years ago, we have not had many good seasons to talk about. We haven't had many good memories to make together with a winning team. We've had fun memories. We've had fun interviews that we've done. We've caused uh, plenty of, uh, I I don't know, heartache, uh, plenty of heartburn for people on the communication side of the team. Over the last few years, we've certainly heard uh, some complaints. We've heard some criticism. We've heard some critiques, some feedback over the years. But um, I don't know at this point how we could avoid some of the worst gaslighting we've seen from an executive in the position of a president of a team, of any sport in this city. And I, I tweeted about this earlier. Uh, and and I know that I've brought this up to you multiple times off the show. I can't remember if I brought this up to you in Bundy. Like I, 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 at this point, I can no longer sit here and act as though I'm an unbiased journalist, right? Never use the journalist word. I can't sit here and act unbiased because at this point, I'm detached enough from going down to games and covering the team with you that I feel my fan card coming back. And at this point, I'm angry enough by what has happened with this team that I can't sit back and, and allow uh, another podcast with, with a following like we have to brush over what's been going on. And I, I cannot allow for a large segment of this fan base to remain effectively unheard because of their concerns with what's happening with their team. And I don't think it would be right for us to sit here and kind of brush this off as a secondary or tertiary topic and try to break down what's been going on on the ice. Because right now, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, how do we get this thing right? And if you're a fan of this team, how do you rationalize spending money on going down and seeing this team or supporting this organization, given what you've seen? And so I have have a lot that I want to get to with this, Ant, but um, Chuck Fletcher broke his silence on Tuesday. It was the first time we've heard from him in months. I believe it's the first time we've heard from him since December Uh, when he noted that the team was five points out of the playoff hunt and he had the audacity and I I will, I know I warned people last week and we didn't curse much, but I'll I'll warn you right now. I'll give five seconds uh, if you're listening with a kid because there will be cursing today. One, two, three, four, five. The fucking audacity yesterday to come out and in the first public statement that he's made, had the audacity to tell people that he has been clear and that this organization has been clear about their plan since the, especially since the injuries to Sean Couturier and Cam Atkinson, which is 100% bullshit. And uh, it's such bullshit that people who don't even like our show, don't like us, have been tweeting things very similar to what we've said, what you wrote on Crossing Broad, that at some point you have to hold this man accountable uh, for his lack of direction, the lack of a plan, but more than anything, not being clear and not articulating a vision to this franchise. For him to come out yesterday, and we're going to get to the video, we'll get to the, the soundbite, for him to come out and effectively say, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're starting to build the right way, and we've been clear about our direction for months, is an absolute lie. And it cannot be tolerated, and it cannot just be something that, you know, we sit back and go, eh, all right, let's move on. It's not okay. And it doesn't matter how many people uh, who are within the organization want to try to, you know, spin this otherwise, doesn't matter. And we've heard from some of them. Doesn't matter. You can spin shit all you want. 
what Chuck Fletcher went out and said is not in line with what has happened over the last few months. In a vacuum, you can evaluate something, but you have to take the entire body of work. You have to take the last few months into account. What Chuck Fletcher came out and said on Tuesday is 100% bullshit. So I want to get to you because you're the more level-headed. You wrote the story for Crossing Broad about <laughs> Chuck Fletcher's timeline, about what he said. Where, where are you at right now? Yeah, it, and it's it's tough, Ross, because, you know, I, I knew when this all happened yesterday, I said to myself, I'm like, this is Russ is going to be like a kid at Christmas, like when when we get working on the podcast, because in all honesty, this is exactly what you've been shouting from the rooftops about for forever now with with Chuck. And um, and I think that the thing that I want to say up front is there's nothing wrong about whatever you just said was was a thousand percent correct. And fans should be mad. Fans should feel like they were lied to. They should feel like he gaslit them right um they the plan that the organization put together and there's no doubt that this was very coordinated this whole thing the timing of everything when you look at the dates that everything kind of happened in this month right i mean this was an absolute plan of the organization Mm -hmm. to get everybody now finally saying the same thing in, in, in a sense, is not a bad plan. Like, it's an actually a good plan. Let's get everybody on board, everybody pumping out the same message. We'll get, the, and, and the fans will finally, you know, be appreciative of it. We're being honest with them. Look, we're not making the playoffs. We're selling. We want to get younger. We're going to chase top-end talent in, in the draft and develop. Great. That's all good stuff. It's all stuff that, that everybody's wanted to hear forever. I mean, this is a long time coming, okay? Good for the Flyers in that regard. But, and this is the big but, when you put the, when you take the risk, and it's they certainly did take a risk, of putting a very disliked individual like Chuck Fletcher, as far as the fans are concerned. Because, mm-hmm. look, inside, everybody says he's a, he's a sweetheart of a man, and that's great. That doesn't mean he doesn't be good at his job because he's a nice guy. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is that the fan base does not like him. So you're taking a real risk. When you do that risk, he has to be 100%. He can't be 99 because that 1% is going to be what everybody latches on to. And you can't blame the media for putting it out there. You can't blame us for sensationalizing it. You cannot because the track record is there and it exists. Okay, that's the, that's the issue. So when Chuck says the things that he says yesterday, and the way he said them, you, of course, all the good things he said are secondary. Mm-hmm. They're just secondary. And he did say a lot of good things. He did say a lot of the right things, right? He was coached well to say what he had to say. There's no question about that. But what is this? The, an angry fan base, what are they going to latch on to? They are going to latch on to the things that were mistakes that he made the things that he said wrong. And when he says them wrong, we can't just shrug them off as, oh, it's just him saying something stupid or saying something out of that was not right. If he had a good track record and said something like that, okay, then you could kind of shrug it off. No big deal. But like you said, to sit there last January and tell us the plan was this aggressive retool, then in the summer not do it. Mm-hmm but still come into training camp saying we're, we expect to be a really competitive team. And then even after you have players get hurt like Couturier, 
um, and, and Cam Atkinson. Um, and Ellis. And, and Ellis, Ellis not coming and, back. Although they knew, they knew that prior well, to him but, saying you know, that. But I mean, yes, you're right. Then in the summer, maybe they held out hope that he would be back. Okay. Right. I mean, yeah, even if you want to throw Ellis in on, on a mm-hmm. smaller scale, fine. Um, when you have all that happen, okay, maybe the plan changes in- internally. Maybe they shifted and said, all right, look, there's no way we can get through this. We're not going to be a great team. Let's just try and set, you know, get get the, the culture right and get some young kids playing and see where we end up. And, you know, hopefully it's it's for the best moving forward and development. But they never told us that. They never said that publicly. And then to come out in December when Tortorella's already said it. Now, Tortorella's already come out and said this stuff, right? But he's come out and said it on his own. There was no endorsed thing from the from the team. There was no backup from the general manager. This is just Torts screaming from the in the woods, hoping somebody hears him. Okay. But to have it on the same day, the same day that Torts is talking about, we're we're not even on a foundation. We're at the footers. There's going to be a lot of pain. This isn't going to be, you know, happen quickly. This is going to take a while. He said all that stuff December 4th. And an hour later, Chuck Fletcher comes out to the media and says, we're only five points out of the playoffs. We got guys coming back from injury. We think we're going to make a push and be in this thing. Mm-hmm. Then to come out yesterday, three, this is the first time he's talked in almost three months. You're off by about five days from being three months. Almost three months. And to say, oh, well, we've been saying this all along. That is it. That's it. That, that there's no apology. There's no accountability. It's just kind of like, yeah, we're going to pull the wool over your eyes here, people. We're going to tell you that this is what we've said. I don't, I don't know where your memory is. This is what we've been saying all along. That's, a, that's the problem. Yeah, I that's, wanna, I, I, that's the yeah. issue, Russ, right? It sure is. And I want to make sure. So the the exact quote from December was, I expect them to be more competitive the rest of the way. We're five points out of a wild card spot. Okay. So that was December. To your point, less than three months ago. Okay. Let's let's let Chuck's little thing here, uh, the the clip that kind of went viral from his availability on Tuesday. Let's let Chuck explain in his own words, in his own voice, without any any bias or whatever on on my part or any whatever on your part let's just let chuck speak for himself so if you're watching you'll get to see it if you're listening you get to hear it here we go the line that he's had to sell it is any indication that perhaps you guys are sort of restarting uh you know the process here of building the team back up oh absolutely i think we've been pretty clear about it all year particularly after katuria and atkinson went down and you know the priority this year well, one, I think for Torts and the coaching staff to get to know the players and for all of us to see who's going to be part of the solution going forward. But, you know, some of these injuries have afforded us to, to provide a longer runway for some of the young players to, to show what they can do and establish themselves in the league. And, um, you know, the, the rosters change on a daily basis, but as of a few days ago, I believe we were the seventh youngest roster in the NHL uh, last year. At the beginning of the year, we were 30th. So we're clearly we're we're getting younger. Um, you know, Torts and the staff have been working hard on building the standard and uh, trying to reestablish the, the flyer identity of, of being a hard team to play against. Uh, defensively, we're getting better. I mean, clearly we have work to do. Um, it's going to be you know a longer process and maybe what we want, but uh, you know I think we're starting to to build the right way and and uh, integrate a lot of young players into our team. Judging the process. I mean, <laughs> where do we start? So, um, <laughs> so Sean Couturier, for the record, if you're if you're wondering, all right, well, well, how how far off 
was the Sean Couturier news and how far off is Cam Atkinson news. Couturier suffered a setback October 27th, okay? Uh, that is obviously after the season started. That's obviously after the the, the season of relative inaction, after the, the comment of an aggressive but can I stop? Can I stop you for one second? Sure, please? please do. I did have a report out in training camp mm -hmm. that he was going to miss most of the season. Mm -hmm. They then came out and said, oh, no, he'll be back in a couple weeks. And then they announced the setback, quote unquote, on October 27th. Then he had the surgery and it was long term at that point. But it was known well before that, that there was a real chance that this would not happen. So go ahead, continue. What makes it also interesting is that uh, the, the same time that the team admitted that he had suffered a setback, I think that was around October 27th, Tortorella said the same day, that Cam Atkinson was not skating or had stopped skating, wasn't ready to skate, wasn't ready to play. So let's just assume that you're tying those two together. Unless we're supposed to give Chuck the benefit of the doubt because Atkinson didn't go on IR until the beginning of December. There, there was I, I forget what the date was. It might have been December 7th. I think it was December 16th or 17th. So unless I'm supposed to sit here and believe the words of Chuck Fletcher, it's Fletcher said on December 4th, that uh, we're five points out of a wild card spot. We expect to be more competitive. And then, uh, you know, two weeks later, Cam Atkinson goes on IR. Maybe that's what he's trying to refer to. But all of that is 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 kind of also stupid and not not really being fully genuine to the fan base because they had known for months that Atkinson wasn't healthy, that Atkinson wasn't going to play, wasn't going to skate. Even as, you know, if you want to say as far back as October 27th, like they didn't even been before then, but October 27th, he hadn't been skating. So for Chuck to come out and to, to make this statement that they've been clear, especially since those guys got hurt, I think it's fair to say October 27th is the drop dead date, right? If, if that's where we're supposed to start the timeline of when things were clear, it's October 27th. And if that's the case, then when Chuck came out on December 4th and, and had his little thing, that's where you admit to the fan base that plans have changed. That's where you admit, you know what? We went into this with one plan. Things changed. This is where we're at. These injuries are something that we did not plan for. These are injuries to two of our best players. And we're, we're going to have to spend the rest of the season. We're going to try to be competitive. But realistically, this is, this is probably not going to, to bear the kind of fruit that we had hoped the season would do. They didn't do that. He, he came out and he tried to sell people on the idea of the team making the playoffs. And that's where the, the real disconnect is, is being found. And this is where I get angry because when you have somebody as, as we've had, there have been multiple somebody. So I don't want the one, I don't want the one person who's going to get pissed off and like send a text. Blah, 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 blah. There have been multiple people in the organization who have reached out and said effectively, you know, we Chuck, Chuck did what he had to do yesterday on Tuesday. That's not good enough. And what he did and what he should have done are not complicated. It's, it's, not, it's not hard. And anybody who understands sports and anybody who understands Philadelphia fans should know the easy direction to go, should know the way for Chuck to present this information. And somebody has either not been in sports or someone has either not understood the Philadelphia fan base or has just decided that like we can just kind of do what we feel here and we're just going to be able to kind of pull the wool over everyone's eyes. That's not how it works here. All Chuck Fletcher had to do, and this isn't hard, 
Chuck Fletcher goes into the end of last season saying it's going to be an aggressive retool over the summer. Okay. You say aggressive retool. I believe it was around the time that uh, season ticket renewals were, were, were coming up last year. You go into the offseason. There are players that are available in trade. There are players who are available in free agency. Whether or not you think that the Flyers should have gone after Johnny Gaudreau or not, whether you think they should have gone after somebody like Alex Dabrinkit or not, those players were available via trade or free agency. Those players would have made this team better. There's no doubt about it. Would they have made them a cup contender? No. Would they have made them a decent team? Probably. Probably would have made that at least a little bit better. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have had as many issues scoring if you had signed or traded for one of those players, but fine, okay. You go through the offseason. You're unable to unload that contract of James Van Riemsdyk that has been an albatross, which, by the way, was a contract signed by Ron Hextall. So all the people who want to you know, beat their chest about, you know, what about Hextall? That was a Hextall deal. Okay, fine. That contract's still here. A year ago, you sent draft capital for the future to get off of Shane Gostisbehere's contract. You traded draft capital for the future to acquire the rights to Rasmus Ristolainen. You traded draft capital for Tony D'Angelo this offseason. By the way, when they traded for D'Angelo, a lot of things had already kind of been finalized, right? Like they, you, you kind of knew what this team was. It wasn't as if you acquired D'Angelo early in the offseason and, and you were like, hey, you know what? We're going to go out and make uh, a Gaudreau signing. We're going to make a trade for another player. And this is like our aggressive retool. You waited until a little bit later on in the process where it was very clear this team was not going to be exceptional and it was going to rely heavily on players that had injury histories like a Sean Couturier, back, back surgery, like a Kevin Hayes, multiple core surgeries. You knew what this was and you traded all that draft capital to retool. And now a few months later, you have the audacity to tell the fan base, we're going to build the right way. Why the fuck would anybody believe that? Seriously. There, there's no, there, there is no reason for a fan to believe that this guy can fix it. Because this guy's the one who tanked the thing. And if you want to go back to Ron Hextall and you want to say that it's Ron Hextall's fault too, then fine. It's Ron Hextall's fault too. It's both of their fault. It's collectively their fault. Between the two, they signed a lot of guys to deals that were inflated for too much term, for too much money, and it's hamstrung the franchise for six years, eight years, whatever. But the fact is, there's no indication that this guy can fix it. And that's my problem, man. Like, I, I don't understand how somebody can, can look you in the eye and say, Chuck did a good job yesterday. Chuck did a, 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 a bang-up job in a vacuum which is what we talked about. In a vacuum, sure, like he said the right things. There's a body of work that is totally counter to what he said yesterday. And then he lied. He fucking mm -hmm. lied to the fan base. He looked reporters in the eye with a camera in his face and said, we've been clear. Bullshit, you have not been clear. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you're right to map it out the way you did absolutely are um you know he, he he hasn't killed them as far as the draft capital going away yeah. uh because he's brought in some draft capital back right i yes. mean yes right. he doesn't have two second round he doesn't have a second round pick either this year or next year but he did pick up an extra extra first rounder the next year and yep. he did get an extra third and fourth rounder this year 
Um, so he, you know, it's not like the end of the world that you drop back from the second to two thirds and a, and a fourth this year. And it's not the end of the world because you went from a second to a first next year. So he did recoup some of it, but you're a thousand percent right that the, the, by outlining it the way you did, you show that this plan that he's insisting has been in place for the entire year has not been, mm-hmm. it has not been in place. Not only that, you're no, you, you look at locking up some players, you know, giving Travis Sanheim that, that contract, you know, of eight, of eight years at $50 million. Like that's not a good contract as we're, as we're seeing this year, turns out it's, it's not great. And, and so therefore you've hamstrung yourself there too, because part of the plan was we think we're good enough then he's going to be part of this for that long that we want to get him locked up now. And now all of a sudden you watch a year go by and it's like, oh boy, is Travis Sanheim a good fit for John Tortorella's team? Maybe he isn't, you know? And so, so again, you throw that in too. This whole plan, quote unquote, was non-existent back at the beginning of the season. And to tell us yesterday that it has been in place that long, it means you either lied then or you're lying now. And if you're lying at any point to the public, they're not going to trust you ever, especially when the team is struggling. You know, maybe they struggled. Look, Bob Clark used to lie all the time when he was a GM. Okay. <laughs> lied all the time. No question. But the team was good. So you kind of just shrugged it off as, oh, it's Clarky being Clarky. Right, because the team was always competitive. It was always there. It was always in the mix. All right, fine. He's lying. All right, whatever. Blah blah blah. But when the team is bad, and continues to be bad, to lie to the fans now, and especially in a generation that wants more transparency, we've talked to coaches about this, right? I mean, you remember Scott Gordon was the first to tell us, but even Torts said it in the interview that 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 I had with him uh, at the beginning of the season for on on this podcast where they talk about how you have to talk to this generation of, of player. Well, this generation of player is the same generation of fan, right? I mean, it, it doesn't mean anything different just because they're the athletes. This, this generation of fan wants answers and wants reasoning and explanation. They don't just want, oh, just because, right? I mean, it, that might have been acceptable 15, 20 years ago. It's not acceptable now. So, so when you have that, you cannot be disingenuous to them. Because they will cling to it and hold on to it and blame you around every turn because they don't trust you. You have to, this organization needs to rebuild its trust from the hockey side of things with its fan base. And there's no way that, there's no way in hell that Chuck Fletcher can do it. There's none. I'll I'll give you one other example, Russ, outside of hockey. Please do. Please do. Outside of hockey. The only guy in this city who's really maybe been able to do that. And I'm not convinced that it's that he's completely done it because we'll see what the future brings. Okay. But he did it at least for one year. It's Howie Roseman. Yeah. Howie Roseman was a target of a lot of fans for screwing up after the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody thought that he was doing a poor job. Then he had one great offseason and put together a Stanley, a, a Super Bowl contender, mm-hmm. right? Team that should have won the Super Bowl but didn't. Yep. Okay. And now he's beloved again. Yep. Right. So you can, you can do it, but you have to have that kind of immediate turnaround and you can't do that in hockey with the, at least was, not with this team. And there's one critical difference between the two. Go ahead. And it's the same kind of benefit of the doubt 
that was given to him, as had been given to Pat Gillick, as has been given to Dombrowski, as has been given, in, in a sense, to Daryl Morey. And that is a championship pedigree. Morey doesn't have the championship pedigree, but the, the point still stands. Chuck Fletcher came here not having won a Stanley Cup, right? I mean, close. There, there, there was no championship pedigree to, right. to lean back on. In the case of Ron Hextall, people said, all right, well, he was the assistant GM of the Kings when they were on their run. So there was a championship pedigree. He might not have been the guy running the show, but he was tangentially affiliated with it, and one has to assume, okay, fine. But Chuck hasn't done that. There, there is a certain level of gravitas that you can bring to a situation. There's a certain level of credibility that you can bring to a situation when you've won a title, when you've won a Stanley Cup. He has not done that, which is what makes the entire thing so maddening. Because when you look at this body of work over the last five years, yes, there was that improbable run during COVID to the bubble where they, you know, played the goofy little round robin and they, and they ended up with the top seed in the conference. Like, yes, that was a thing. Definitely was. And, and that team was trending well. You could make the case and I've, I've long made this case and I, I do think it was the right case to make and it kind of, kind of proved out. But, you know, people went into that, that off season saying, well, this team is that good. And I kept saying, I don't know, because you're, you're kind of extrapolating some some data from the, be the beginning of that new calendar year and saying, well, that would have absolutely continued in a normal regular season into the playoffs. And I'm not so sure that it would have. And then the next year, Niskanen's not here. The whole thing falls apart. And, and it's pretty clear to say that that was kind of a fluky team in the same way that Montreal making the cup was a fluke. And they realized it and they said, we need to change some stuff here because this isn't it. Like this isn't a team that's going to be a perennial contender. This team kept making excuses. This this president of Hockey Ops kept making excuses. And at some point, you just have to sit and say, is this team any better now than it was when Chuck Fletcher was hired? Is it exponentially better or is it like 2% better? Is it roughly the same? Cap-wise, are they in a better position than they were than when Chuck Fletcher took over? In terms of the prospects in the pool, do we feel better about this prospect pool? Do we feel better about the possibility of developing these players uh, at the AHL level? which he kind of is responsible for overseeing as well. I don't know if the questions to any of that are yes. This, this is how I look at it, Ant. I'm going to make it really simple, okay? And, and this goes back, and this is why there has to be accountability on Ron Hextall as well. We live in a house, Anthony, okay? Flyers fans. We all live in a house. We bought a house, and we hired a contractor to do some reno work, right? We wanted to add a bedroom, a bathroom, and maybe like a, a man cave, okay? And as we looked at the house, we thought everything looked good and that when they go to kind of make those renos, it's not gonna be a lot of work because the foundation was strong and, and, and the bones, everything looked good from the surface. But as you started peeling back some of the drywall and as you started taking out some of the baseboards and as you started lifting the floor and pulling up the carpet, you realize, no, there, there were some structural issues here. There might have been some faulty electrical work. There might have been some shoddy plumbing that wasn't done correctly. In fact, there was no underlay for a, 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 a vapor layer uh, for moisture for underneath your uh, laminate flooring, okay? So there are issues. And the contractor that you've hired, your expectation going into it is, okay, now that you're finding this stuff, please fix that as you're building forward. Fix that shoddy electrical work. Fix that bad plumbing. Put down that vapor uh, layer before you install the flooring. Do all those things and do a nice job putting in the, the, the bedroom, the bathroom, and the man cave because that's what we've hired you to do. 
And what's happened is this GM, this contractor has looked at the situation, essentially tried to paper over some of the electrical issues, maybe tweaked a few, replaced a few wires, didn't tack them up, really didn't, didn't do full justice. Okay. Replaced some of the plumbing, maybe shored up a little bit, didn't go by code, put down the, the vapor layer, didn't use good flooring. And, and as we start to assess it, and as we've been assessing it over the weeks that it's occurred, we've realized, you know what, this, this contractor isn't even using very high-end materials. He, he's kind of going for budget. He's kind of going for, you know, reclaimed stuff. He's kind of going for stuff that's on the clearance pile that doesn't match. And that's what we have now. By virtue of two GMs who haven't gotten it done, that is what we have in this city with this hockey team. And the problem is, if this were that real world application, and if this were a contractor, you would look at it and say, this is unacceptable, either you need to rip it out, or we need to hire somebody else. And in fact, in most cases, you would say, I want a refund, and I want to go get somebody who can do this the right way, in the same way that we expected you to do it. And the problem is that this organization continues to make excuse after excuse. And instead of looking at the very clear evidence in front of them, that there are shoddy materials, that things were not fixed the way they were supposed to be, the final product is shitty and it's not what you paid for. And instead of holding the person accountable for at least his own work, they, they're saying, that's fine. They sent him out there to try to reassure a fan base and he lied to them. There is no way to rebuild this. This team doesn't have the assets. It doesn't have the young players. It doesn't have the draft capital to go out and make a bunch of moves. They can't turn this around in one to two years with this guy at the helm because he hasn't proven an ability to do it in the five fucking years he's had to do it so far. There is no reason to believe it's going to get better because he shows you again and again and again he's not up to the task. That's the problem, and that's why fans are upset and that's why I cannot understand, I cannot fathom how this organization looks at it and says, this is fine. He deserves another trade deadline. No, no, just no, no. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody that he's, that he's still here. Um, and I'm, I'm not certain where they're going to go with this. Look, I, I still deep down believe that he's not going to be the general manager come the draft and free agency. Deep down, I believe that. I believe that he's going to be let go at the end of the season. And I felt like letting him stay on through the trade deadline, like we talked about last week, it, he can't really screw this up. Like teams are just – teams just want – the expiring contracts for the most part. I mean, there might be an interest in some other players, but it's, you know, those kinds of trades are more laying groundwork for the summer. So it's not, he's not going to screw up trading JVR or trading uh, Patrick Brown, right. Or, or anybody al along those lines with the expiring deals. Okay, fine. So you, no big deal to keep them there, but, but you're right on everything that you say, because the track record is what it is. And he's not done the job that he's been asked to do. And he set the team into a situation that they, you know, are having a hard time getting out of. I did want to address two other things that he said to yesterday that I thought were, were a little bit concerning. Go on. One, he, he, the, the quote was, 
you know, when he was saying we're not making, when he said we're not making the playoffs this year. And then he follows, again, this is just like you can get into his mindset, right? The quote is, we're not making the playoffs this year. Again, I can throw numbers all day on a points percentage basis. I think we're the fifth most improved team in the league. That's nice, but we're still not good enough. So what is that saying, Russ? That is saying, oh, but look, we're, we've improved. Like, we got better from last year. You can't say that now. That's not the time to say it. Now, if you want to, in the summer, when you've added some pieces, you got a good draft pick, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If you want to throw it out there then and say, hey, look, we took some steps last year. We were the fifth most improved team, you know, and now we expect to take further steps. Okay, fine. That's a good time for it. But yesterday was not the time because it's like he won't apologize. He won't take accountability. It's like, yeah, we're not making the playoffs this year, but we were better. We were better than last year. And it's really hard to be worse than last year, right? I mean, so that is – that's what I don't think he gets and understands, that that the fans are going to – and why are fans going to latch on to that? Why are we talking about it? Again, it's not that we want to look for the mistakes that he's saying. He's saying it because he believes it. He believes that, that that's a thing. That's a good thing. So that's problem number one. First well, hold and on, foremost, hold on, because because what what you said there is a hundred percent accurate. It, it, it's a hundred percent fair. Uh, there were some people, I believe Dan Silver was one of them on Twitter, who pointed out that the Flyers are actually the seventh most improved, not the fifth most improved. Had had a nice little uh, Excel spreadsheet to show that. But um, what what it says to me, Ant, is he went out there begrudgingly saying this thing about needing yeah. to build the right way for the future, yeah. and can't help himself but to say this thing that kind of boosts up his performance, yeah. which is not okay. Also, um, I, I don't want to, I don't think I'm going to undercut what you're saying here. That other, that clip that we played before, he also mentioned that they've gotten better defensively and yeah. they, they it, just got, they, they got their shit kicked in. Yeah. Seven, nothing by the devils on Saturday, seven, nothing yeah. that followed a five, two loss. Which followed, a four, which followed a 4-2 loss to Edmonton on the road. I'll, I'll give you that. They got their asses handed to them, 6-2, on the road against Vancouver, a team that we've compared them to multiple times this season. Yeah. That, was after, that was after their former coach, Dave Hextall, and the Seattle Kraken, who are a very good team, kicked their ass 6-2 on the road, which followed a 4-3 home loss to that same Kraken team. What are we talking about? Yeah. That's better defensively. Yeah. I mean, this is where it's just, it's so disingenuous and it's such a clear cover your ass thing. Now, please get to your other point. I just, well, no, I'm I'm gonna, it's great that you said that because it's the same thing. It's a great lead in to the disingenuous, being disingenuous. Because here's the the best, and I thought I would give Charlie O'Connor a lot of credit because he asked the question directly, you know, why won't they call it a rebuild? It, why, he literally said to Chuck, why won't you use the word rebuild? And Chuck's response was, it's terminology. I mean, are we going to gut this team? No, we're not going to gut this team. I'm not looking to trade Tippett and Farabee and Frost and Gauthier and just trade everybody and start over. Okay. Yes, everyone has a different, different definition of the word rebuild. Okay, fine, Chuck, you're right. We all do. Everybody thinks of it in different terms, some more extreme than others. But is there one person, Russ, that you know, one fan, one crazy-ass fan on Twitter, anybody who has said Flyers should get rid of 
those five guys as part of a rebuild. Like no one. Hey, Frost, I mean, Morgan Frost. I mean, Frost has come up. Farabee, there's, there's the been the talk about, you know, like perhaps well, in the offseason if, if he builds his value back. I will say the one name that I was surprised he didn't mention was like Carter Hart because there ha- fans have been throwing that around the possibility is, if you're going to fully rebuild that like get rid of one of your better goaltenders, fine. But no, my, no, no the, 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 the vast is, majority of the fans aren't sitting there saying do what Chicago did by trading to Brinkett. They're not saying that. Yeah, that's that, that's right. not what that's not what the rational fan considers to be a rebuild. A rebuild is trade your better veteran players and trade some of the dead money. Get those guys out and let the kids play. To his point, let the kids have a longer runway. Yeah. That's what a rebuild is. The reason he won't say it, Ant, is because the second he says we're rebuilding, it one, confirms that he's done a shit job, and two, It then makes it easier for every pundit, even the people on the radio who don't give a shit about the team, to say, then why is this guy who ran it into the ground the guy who should lead the next rebuild? That's why he won't say it. Of course not. Of course not. That's the point. Like, that's so, you know, when there's, and believe me, we heard yesterday, we, we heard from people within the organization who said, you know, why are we focusing on these things when he said the right things? you know, with the rest of his press conference. And he did, admitting that they're sellers and that they're rebuilding and they want to do it the right way and they are chasing top-end talent and need to give the young players time and they need to accrue assets. All good stuff. But it's hidden behind this because this is the these things that he said completely blow up everything he said previously that we were supposed to believe about this organization. Yep. That's why. And, and you have to understand in sports, this is a this is the entertainment dollar for fans. This is what they 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 work all week long, all five, you know, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, whatever their jobs are. And this is their how they choose to spend their disposable income by supporting their local sports teams, okay, or their favorite yep. sports teams. This is what they want to do. So when the team is consistently bad, they want answers. They, you know, they want to know if they should continue to spend that money here. And if you're going to lie to them, they're going to look elsewhere to spend that money. Yep. They're going to screw you if you're going to. And, that, and that, there's nothing wrong with that. So that's why in sports, especially, you have to be a little bit more transparent. You have to be a little bit more willing to take responsibility. Sometimes you have to take the responsibility even if you don't deserve it. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, there was there's not there's zero accountability. Like sometimes you have to fall on a sword. Right. You might have had a bad season for something. Something could have gone wrong. It was not outside your control, whatever. But sometimes you have to say, yeah, you know what? I, you know, my fault. I'll fix it. We'll, we'll work on it. Get back. You have to do that, even if it's not. But if it but this in this case, especially in this case, you have to have some accountability. And they're zero. And that's why the fans don't trust them. That's why we are where we are. And that's the problem. This is why I get mad. Because although the fans don't like Chuck Fletcher, there was an easy way to spin out of this. There was an easy way to mitigate some of the damage. Here's how it works. I'll give somebody in PR a lesson, okay, on how Philadelphia fans approach their teams and how Philadelphia fans Respect accountability. James Bradbury commits a penalty at the end of the Super Bowl. 
Rather than go on a bitching session for two weeks, James Bradbury stands in the, in the, uh, in the locker room after the Super Bowl and says, I held him. I was hoping the refs wouldn't call it, but I held him. Do you know what people aren't doing? Killing James Bradbury. They're not. Because he took accountability. Alec Bohm is another example. Alec Bohm is a perfect one. Yep. Alec Bohm, bad play in the field, caught on video. I fucking hate it here. People are going nuts during the game. How could he say that? We've supported him. How ungrateful. He comes out after and he says, in the heat of the moment, I got upset. I don't hate it here. I, I, I love it here. And I appreciate the fans' passion and all that. Alec Bohm, from that point on, was one of the most beloved players on that Phillies team that made the World Series run. Hot streak, cold streak, because he took accountability. You can make the case that because they're players, it's not the same. I don't think that's true. But you, could, you could try. All Chuck Fletcher had to do yesterday, after months of silence, is come out and say, look, we went into last offseason with a plan. We attended on aggressively retooling, as I told you. I think he, he said it to Charlie, right? There's the, there's the clip that always goes around of, we're, we're, we're retooling, Charlie. You come out and you say, we intended on aggressively retooling in the offseason. We had some contracts we couldn't move. We had a couple of trades that we thought were going to go through that, that didn't. Our plan had to change. As injuries accrued, as Sean Couturier's injury was aggravated, as we learned Ryan Ellis would not play, as we learned Cam Atkinson was going to be out for longer, as we knew that Joel Farabee was going to have to be out for a bit, even though he came back a little bit early, we had to pivot. And I, I probably in December, I was optimistic because we saw five points. We saw the way that the team was playing under torts. We did believe that there was a chance that this team was going to be able to, to, to fight for a playoff spot. We, we did believe that. But we have to pivot now because it is clear that we're not what we thought we might have been in December. And our plans have changed. You know what that does? That accepts accountability, that things didn't go the way that they thought it was going to. It explains how your messaging hasn't been clear. And even though the fans, there would have still been a vocal amount of fans who would have said, this is bullshit. There's enough that fans would say, you know what? Good on Chuck for doing the right thing. And ask me how I know. Because we got tweets, because of course we do. And there was somebody who came, who tweeted this morning. Um, I, I put out the thing about, you know, never before have I seen an organization go to bat for a guy without a championship pedigree and just continue to bend over backwards to, to make excuses. And this person, JPNTEXA on uh, Twitter says, 40-year season ticket holder, and I opted out yesterday. And I felt very good about doing it. This organization does not care about their customers. I wish nothing but the best for the players and coaches. The front office has to be the worst in Philadelphia sports history. The worst. Mind you, opted out yesterday. Yesterday is when Chuck Fletcher talked. Yesterday also happened to be the deadline for season ticket holders to opt out, which is a big part you could assume why Chuck Fletcher came out and talked to the media on that day of all days. So I quote tweeted this, this nice person, Joseph. And I said, so Chuck getting in line with the rest of the organization didn't reassure you? To which he replied, I have to tell you, it was an insult to all of the Flyers supporters what was said yesterday by Fletcher. Now you can go, and if you're one of the people who sits and listens and says, these guys are sensationalists, these guys just hate Chuck, 
That's a 40-year season ticket holder. And by the way, that's not the only season ticket holder that we've heard from through tweets, Facebook, other messages. Not the only one. The second that some of these people start pulling their head out of the sand and accept the fact that this fan base is not happy with the direction of the team and that a change needs to be made, that is the only moment that things turn around. Maddening, Anthony, because how many people have we heard from this year? By the way, I forget. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. I feel really bad. He, he's, he follows a ton of people, but he's got a ton of followers. Season ticket holder, canceled the season tickets. There was another one. I remember two or three weeks ago, also has a nice following. Season ticket holder, canceled their season tickets. You, you, you just, you have to almost willingly choose to be blind to what is in front of you. Uh, if you if you're unwilling to accept the fact that so many fans are unhappy with the direction of the team, and and to your point earlier, hockey ops has to do a lot to rebuild trust with the team. The business side, I think, has done a lot, and and they have made significant inroads in trying to repair the relationship uh, with the fans. And we we detailed that a couple of episodes ago about initiatives they've had, about ways that they've gotten communities and, and tickets to people that might not have otherwise been able to get them, and, and, and all of that. But the hockey ops side has created such a disaster and such a mess and continues to be allowed to do what they're doing and doing very poorly at that. At some point, the dam has to break. And at some point, what's going to happen, and I, I honestly, Anthony, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened tonight, on national TV, the Flyers are going to take on the Rangers, a team that accepted the need to rebuild. And yes, there were a few picks that they got kind of lucky on. They had some meteoric rises from players that they might not have expected it from. They do have the benefit of being in New York and getting you know, a couple of really legit free agents. They just made a trade for Patrick Kane. God knows what that's going to look like. But these teams were on a similar timeline, similar path. One chose to do the right thing. One is stuck in purgatory. I will not be surprised if tonight the Rangers go up 1-0, 2-0, and you start hearing very loudly on the telecast from the 30% of fans that are there wearing Flyers garb versus the 70% that I expect to be there for the Rangers to chant two words that probably should have been chanted a lot earlier and will continue to be chanted throughout the rest of the season. And that, of course, is Fire Fletcher. Get ready for it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're you're not. I I love when you get all fired up because it just it gets it gets the it gets the blood flowing. It's good for you. It's it's healthy. Um, just some news. Um, love as news. we transition a little bit. I mean, we've you know we and look. I mean, look, we've we spent the first fifty minutes of this podcast talking about that. Yes, and it was important. Like we had to we had to dive into it. But I mean, I think it's it's worth kind of getting into some other stuff um uh flyers line up uh tonight um uh 11 forward seven defensemen uh jvr and kevin hayes on the fourth line um definitely the last game in the flyers uniform for one probably maybe i shouldn't say probably maybe last game in the uniform for another we'll talk about that for a minute um and uh, Justin Braun playing on the wing again, <laughs> uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an, an interesting deadline in the sense that I think that the Flyers will actually get a little bit more than maybe some people are thinking. 
Um, but at the same time, I don't think that fans are going to be incredibly thrilled with how things go. Um, if we want to break it down, JVR is definitely going to go. I don't um, know about that. I don't know. Oh, oh there, he is. There were there were hold on, there were reports this morning that things have gone relatively silent on the JVR front. You have to remember that there have been other contracts moved in the past week or so that were yeah. comparable to JVR. Some of the teams that we thought might have been interested in his services, like a Dallas, are likely out of that. I don't. I I, I would not put a hundred percent certainty on that being a move. I I could definitely see Fletcher holds out too long or maybe he held out too long expecting too much value and and jvr is still on this team after the deadline yeah i don't see it i i think that the yeah. flyers will they may they may not get what they hoped to get but they'll they will get something for him um they're willing to eat 50 percent of his contract um to make it happen and that, that's a palatable thing for other teams sure. so i think that uh uh, that's a that, that's I do think that that's going to happen. Um, uh, secondly, Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes. Let's talk Kevin Hayes a little bit. There's been some interest around him that has this popped up. Teams are are checking in. Um, I know Colorado is one of them um, that is that is interested in Hayes. The Flyers are willing to eat salary there too. Now they're not willing to go fifty percent, but I think they're willing to take a third of it. And so what you're looking at is, you know, forget this year, the remainder of this year is whatever. It's no big yeah. deal, right? But if you're if you're looking at a uh, at eating a cap hit, now I gotta do the math. I didn't do the math in advance. Um, but What's you're looking contract? at it's well, it's well, seven. So seven point. It's it's seven point one four two eight five seven, right? Um, so it's uh, two two point three two point four. No, so, sorry, about two two point four one, two point four two. Yeah, somewhere what in is that it? range. What is it? Did you do it? No, I didn't. I didn't. So you started doing the math, so I, said, I stopped. I said two point four one or two point four two. Hold on, <laughs> let me pull up the calculator. Hold on, divided by three. Two point two point three eight. Damn, there you go. That's pretty good. So the former language teacher, great yeah, mental so, math. So, right, so roughly two point four million dollars yeah. that they're going to have to eat as a cap hit for three years. Um, that might happen. That might happen. I think that eating 33% uh, could be a thing um, as far as, as moving hay. So I think that's a possibility. Um, mm -hmm. And then when you look ahead, look elsewhere, um, there has been a little bit of talk, uh, Carolina interest in uh, bringing back Tony D'Angelo. Um, I don't know how far that goes. That could be something that's more offseason than now. Um, I, yeah, I think and, and can you imagine if, the, if that happens, well, if yeah. dude, they, they wouldn't give D'Angelo 5 million in the off season. They said, go find your team, right? He, he goes and finds his team. This team is stupid enough to trade picks for him. And there is a scenario in which the flyers trade him back to Carolina and pay the money that Carolina was unwilling to pay him. Can you imagine? Yeah, I know. Um, I think I think Justin Braun does get traded. I don't think you get anything of like real value there. It's on a late round pick at best. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think they're going to trade Nick Sealer, whose name has come up. Um, I think that they they like Sealer. I think Torts likes Sealer, and I think he wants to keep him here, especially because he's affordable, right? And he's played well uh, as a third pair defenseman. 
So I, I think that's I think he's going to stay. Patrick Brown, I think, is a maybe gets traded. Um, again, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Those, are, but I think that's it. Like I, I would be surprised if anyone else gets moved by Friday. Um, yeah, I, I really do think that's it. The other thing I think is going to happen here. Well, hold on. There, there was a name. There was a name, by the way. Uh, so Darren Dreger said today, uh, he tweeted, Flyers are taking calls on Provorov. Similar to other uh, top 4D with term, it would take a large offer to move him from Philly. So that's interesting because that really is the first time that we've seen the Flyers mentioned by a national pundit in that way, that they're they're open for business. Now, it's probably not a good sign that the national pundits, the one saying they're open for business, it would almost imply that perhaps there haven't been many conversations or calls on the player. And this is the way that you try to get the market started for him. It is interesting though, unlikely that they move him though. I would argue Ant, that if they do move on from Provorov of all, of all the players, your point about Chuck can't screw it up. You know, like this is where I come back to, you better hope Chuck negotiates a hell of a deal because that's one of your better trade pieces. You could make that argument. And if, if you're right and Chuck is going to go in the offseason, this this would be a hell of a of a deal to let him oversee. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And that's why I, I like I don't really think that one's happening. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there'll be I think that's one of those ones where there are you get you are there are conversations and you start talking about it and then you realize, OK, now we've set the market for him. And, you know, two months from now, when the season's over, then you really start diving into, okay, this is what we can get. You know, let's try and see if other teams might be interested and et cetera, et cetera, as you approach the summer um, and and try and figure out, you know, where you're at going into the draft. I Like, I just think, do I think Ivan Provrov's on this team next year? I think it's better than 50-50 that he's not. Um, I don't think it's a a lot better than 50 50. Um, I don't think it's like 80 20 by any stretch of imagination. I think it's kind of like one of those probably 55 45, right? I, I, I think he's not going to be back, but there's, it, there's no real uh, uh, information that, that makes me say, you know, it, it's, it's heavier one way than another. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's, that's the kind of contract that's going to get moved here because I think there's, there's just too much tied to it to have it happen at a deadline. You yeah. probably have to get, a lot of players involved, maybe a third team, um, you know, all kinds of craziness. And, and of course that kind of stuff can happen if they've been working on it. Right. But yeah. um, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see it now. I'm, I could be wrong, but I, I don't see it now. Um, but yeah. I, look, if, if they do trade Ivan Provorov before Friday, then you're right. Chuck better nail it. He better get great return because if he doesn't, Holy hell. Well, I mean, listen. I, I think like, we can give we can give Chuck this credit. I, I'm I'm going to give Chuck credit for something. How about that? The Owen Tippett move was a good one. Is looking is looking like a good one, especially considering the fact that Chuck tied his own hands by not playing ball with Claude Giroux, as we have outlined and detailed on previous episodes of this show. Yep. He got decent value back. Now, can you make the case that Tippett is scoring at roughly the same rate as he had in Florida? Yeah, I, I think that you could maybe make that case and perhaps the increase in playing time is the thing that's leading to you seeing what looks to be more raw production. That That, that is probably fair. But Tippett looks like a player. Uh, is that the John Tortorella effect? It's entirely possible. Um, 
It's gonna be wild. You know the the the, the one name of all the guys that you said is Sealer, right? And I have nothing uh, I, I have nothing negative to say about Nick Sealer as a human being. I don't really have much negative to say about him as a third pair defenseman at an affordable rate for your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers. But Nick Sealer is replaceable. And the fact that there is a market for Nick Sealer and this team is supposedly rebuilding, I don't give a shit if he brings John Tortorella his morning coffee. I don't care if he goes and picks up his favorite hoagie in the afternoon. I don't care if he gets his dry cleaning. I don't care if he picks up Tortorella's, uh, does he have young kids? Uh, whatever, grandkids, nieces, nephews. I don't care if he picks kids up from school for John Tortorella. I don't care if he walks Tortorella's dog. I don't care if he picks up the, sh- the, the shit in Tortorella's yard. I don't care. There is no reason that this team that is as far away from being a legitimate contender should under any circumstances hang on to a third pair defenseman at an affordable rate. In fact, you make the argument that it's almost institutional malpractice to do so because Chuck Fletcher signed at least two of them, two third pair defensemen to exorbitant contracts in the last year. That's it. <laughs> I just, just wanted to put that out there. Just throwing it out there, Ant. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing. One thing I can say is like, you know, when you look at it, and I get it. I mean, you're right. If there's a market for normally, if there's a market for a guy like Nick Sealer, and you can get, you know, a third round draft pick. I mean, they got a third round pick for Justin Braun last year, right? I mean, so if you could get a third round draft pick for Nick Sealer, well, why the hell don't you take it? You really should. The the thing is, is that if you're planning on moving on from half of your defensemen before next season. Right. And let's just say that. Let's just say that, you know, they are going to look to move Provorov or they are going to look to move D'Angelo or or Travis Sanheim. Right. I mean, whatever the case may be, if you're looking to potentially move on from those guys, keeping a guy like Sealer around who has played well in this system Mm -hmm. uh, for John Tortorella might be better suited um, rather than having to replace yet even another guy. Because right, if you're looking at who's coming, right? Who who are you going to call up? You know, is Ronnie Adderd and and Igor Zamula, and you know, uh, is how close is Emil Andre? Right? I mean, we're looking at they they have a few young defensemen who they like and can come up and play. But are you really going to turn over the defense that much um, and and hope that it it's better next year? I don't think so. I don't think it goes that far. Um, and so that maybe a guy like Sealer is a nice transitional piece to keep on, keep hanging on to rather than, you know, getting a draft pick that hits maybe 20% of the time. Um, In a sense though, it it is kind of similar thinking though, to, to when Lawton was up for a deal and that was around when we had Fletcher on the show. Right. And Fletcher said that the reason that they re-signed Lawton was because he had done the calculus on it to say, all right, if I trade Scott Lawton, then in the off season, I have to go out and sign a Scott Lawton, (laughs) which of course does, does kind of gloss over the fact that you would have gotten draft capital that you could have used to, you know, for Scott Lawton and then gone out and either re-signed Scott Lawton or brought another similar guy in. I guess it's just the thing is like, I, I don't know. I, I'd almost rather have the lottery ticket on a pick of any kind for Sealer. And and listen, if if as an organization, if you're unable to develop an Adderd or a Zamula to be a third pair defenseman, that's more of an indictment on your organization's lack of ability to, to develop players. Like, I, I don't think that you can hang on to Nick Sealer because you're afraid that you can't replace Nick Sealer, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. That that to me is a is a much greater concern. This isn't like we're talking about moving on from say Travis Sanheim where you got, all right, how do we replace the second pair defenseman? You know what I mean? So I, I don't Yeah. Know. Um one last thing I wanted to kind of chat with you about and, and see what, what your thoughts are. Um because this is one of the ones where I actually tend to agree uh with the Flyers plan. Um uh, Elliot De, Elliot Denoye um, is going yeah, to awesome. uh, is going to be sent back down to the Phantoms, regardless of how well he plays uh, after the game tonight. Um, and there's even a thought that Cam York will go down and play uh, with the Phantoms um, as they try to make a playoff push because they believe that having that experience and playing in, in important games uh, together and, and maybe having an opportunity to get to the playoffs and, and you know, make a little bit of a run um, is good for them. Is good for their development rather than having them come up and play meaningless games in the NHL. Uh, what is your, what is your thought on that? And I appreciate you asking that. I appreciate the way that you frame that. Um, how do I, how do I, okay. So I think I, I'm hesitant to say this. I think you're right that it's better for them to mm -hmm. go down uh, and for them to participate and to try to, to make a run toward the Calder cup because uh, the winning culture is what you're going for. Even if it's not, I guess at the NHL level, I do think that it's, it's not a hard sell, but I do think that it's you know, a little bit complicated to, to look at your fan base now and say, instead of the kids getting meaningful minutes in meaningless games, which is a little bit different and continue to be coached up by this coach, we're going to send them down to, to go make a, a run the HL. I, I guess here's my problem, man. The flyers, as we record this show are only 13 points out of the, the second wild card. Okay. <laughs> and so I don't know if you can with all good conscience or in any good conscience, Look at being 13 points back and, and, and uh, 21 games to play and say, we're willing to punt on that great chance of making the postseason <laughs> and on jumping Montreal, Washington, Detroit, Ottawa, Florida, and Buffalo and knocking out either the Penguins or the Islanders for one of those wild card spots. I don't know. And I, I do think that's a hard sell to make to a fan base that you've been very clear <laughs> No, I, 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 I like your, your dickish sarcasm, um, but, but, uh, but, but let me, let me just add this. Let me just add this. Yeah. Um, what also might be a good thing with, with, you know, and, and I, and I'm a believer that playing in the minor in the playoff push in the AHL is important. I mean, I, I'll take you back to the year that I covered the Phantoms when they won mm -hmm. the Calder cup in the year of the lockout. And yes, there was more talent down there more nhl talent down there that year than any other year in the history of the ahl but those guys all came up and played in the nhl and were and were contributors like a lot of those players were significant contributors at the nhl level and a lot of that had to do with the fact that they learned to win together when they were young um in what is probably you know the second best hockey league professional hockey league in the world I mean, you can argue it's between that and, and the khl but i still think the ahl is is probably a little bit better um mm -hmm. and 
And that's good. It's good to develop down there. It's good to play important games down there. But more importantly than anything else, Russ, um, and you've been asking for this all year, like, you know, why aren't they tanking? Why aren't they tanking? They're, they're now closer to the bottom of the standings overall than they are to the playoff spot. They are now just nine points uh, ahead of Anaheim and Chicago for the worst record in the NHL. I'm sorry, they're 10 points. I forgot Columbus. Columbus is 46. So they're 10 points ahead of Columbus. Not to say they're going to catch those those teams, but if you're going to trade off some veterans, Konechny's not going to probably not going to play again this year. I mean, maybe yeah. in April he comes back for a few games. Probably not. Um, didn't sound as bullish on Couturier playing again. This yeah, season. it didn't sound like yeah, that, that either. Of, we, didn't, we didn't cover that, but and if you're and if your talented prospects are going to play in the play for the Phantoms, you're probably going to have guys playing who are just not good players, not part yeah. of the future. Um, I've also kind of been told that Felix Sandstrom is going to get more playing time than he had been mm. um, down the stretch here to kind of give Carter a little bit of a break. And obviously, if, if he's playing in goal, your odds of winning drop even that much more precipitously. And they've sent Arison down specifically to lead the Phantoms on this this run, and he yeah, he's the, looked very good, right? In, and in and, and so it's possible now. Oh Jesus! Don't get me excited. Can, that you can get far enough down in the standings that you have a chance at getting a, like a legitimate, like a better chance, not like that eighth place three percent chance but if you get to like the fifth worst record or fourth worst record of having a shot at jumping up into that in the lottery and getting Connor Bedard or getting one of the top four you know and Chuck said that there's like seven or eight guys after Bedard there's not there's there I mean they're look I don't they're, they're a good player there are good right. players but right. not not that yeah. level there's no Bedard there's no other Bedard um but uh, Fantilli, Larson, and Mishkov, Mishkov are all really, really high-level prospects who can be star quality. Maybe not Bedard, but certainly really, really good players at the, at the NHL level. You get any of the top four, I think, that you're, you're thrilled uh, yeah. in this draft. And I think the Flyers can get closer to there. They still can. That's not to say that this is a good, that this plan is good, right? But I'm saying that they are, with this, they have the, one of the toughest schedules in the NHL the remainder of the season, and you're not going to have good players on your team, and you're going to start a backup goalie who's probably an AHL goalie at best. You could find yourself kind of staying right where you're at in the standings and some of these bad teams catching you a little bit. You know, I love where you're at. I, I just want to point out really quickly, I meant to do this a few weeks ago. I know this is this is like where, I guess, you know, what did you call it? Dickish sarcasm? Yeah. This is where, like, I can be intentionally condescending, I guess, to some to some people on Twitter that aren't bright. The the number one thing that some people like to come back to, and, and this is another, and this is like another case of just being very uh, narrow focused on one thing in a vacuum and, and not looking at the entirety. When people look at the draft lottery and they look at the odds, an intelligent person looks at it and says, okay, if my team is uh, the worst team in hockey. They have an 18.5% chance. And if they're the second worst team, they have a 13.5% chance to get the top pick. And if they're third worst, they get 11.5%. And what happens is you get some of these people, uh, like I have all season, when I've been saying this team should have just been in a race to the bottom, get the best shot at Bedard. You get these people who come out and they say, well, 
you only have an 18.5% chance of winning the top pick in the draft. And that is true. However, my dear friends, there are two lotteries that happen in the draft. The first lottery is for the first overall pick. The second lottery is for the second overall pick. And then the teams are placed in order from worst record remaining all the way down for picks three through the rest of the draft. And the reason that that's important to point out to some of those people, maybe even one or two who are having a revelation right now who hate listen to our show, because I know that our listeners, our true loyal listeners, Anthony, are intelligent people, but there are some dopes who probably listen because they want to find something to like scream about. If you're the worst team in hockey, the worst you can do is pick number three because you can get jumped for the first pick, you can get jumped in the lottery for the second pick, but you are guaranteed no worse than the third overall pick. If you are the second worst team in hockey, the worst you can do is the fourth overall pick, which is why I get so mad because when you're out on the periphery and like it's great that they're the seventh worst team, you get into that five range, you get in that four range, you're building yourself a better chance of getting one of these top four players because it's unlikely that a team like, I don't know, Calgary, which right now has a 0.5% chance of getting the top pick, it's unlikely they're going to be the team to jump. But okay, like if it happens, by the time you get to that third pick, it goes in reverse order. You want to be as bad as you can be, have as, lo- as, as few points as possible to mitigate the risk of you falling out of that top it's not complicated for some of these people. It's really hard. They're, they're really, really just thick about it on Twitter. I feel like it just needed to, I, I hope that, I hope that makes that clear to the, to the non-listeners of Snow the Goalie, the hate listeners will say of Snow the Goalie who don't get it. And to all of our loyal listeners who understand this already because they're intelligent people, I'm sorry that you had to, you had to sit through that there for, uh, you know, 65, 70 seconds. Anthony, I know that you like to do this at the end of cross stuff, but do you have one last thing or did we already touch the one no, last thing? No, that was kind of the last thing there. Okay. Do you have, we have a review. Do you want to do our five star? I think that we, I think that we do have a five star review. By the way, I, I saw this last week uh, on our, our episode that we did at, yeah, it was last week. I think it was a comment on YouTube and some, or it was a tweet, one or the other. Somebody said no, no five star, like no rating this week. Like we didn't read it. I can't believe that people like listening to the ratings or the reviews, but here we are. So we, of course, are going to do what we can to make those people happy. So, uh, all right, let's let's jump into this. I think we have two. Okay. This looks like we have two, I believe. The 20th. I don't know. Did we read this one? Flyers fan 1953? New CEO. Oh. No, no, we didn't. New CEO. Great podcast this week. Subjects on point, especially on the new CEO hire, Chuck Fletcher and the Super Bowl quips. Beating a dead horse subject, but why is Chuck Fletcher still the GM and president of hockey operations? What are the plans regarding uh, moving players like Hayes, JVR, Provorov, TK Sealer, Risto, uh, Tony D'Angelo, and Braun? Chuck definitely needs to go and now. Based on the last couple of games, the team have proven they are not good and will not make the playoffs. The curse of Ron Hextall and Chuck Fletcher continues. Keep up the good work of the podcast. That's Lee C. By God, that's Lee C's music. By God, that's Lee C's music. Did Lee C create a second account? By God, Anthony. By God. That's what it looks like. It looks like we had Lee C created a second account to leave another five star. God bless you, Lee C. If you don't believe in God, tree bless you, Lee C. 
Well done. Last one here, Amp. Yeah. Bernie Olilla or Oidilla. I don't know. Oidilla. All right. Bernie says five stars would recommend. I love that. That's a great five star review. I met Bundy at the game on uh, against Montreal on Friday night and told him I'd leave a review. I am a man of my word. Five stars for you guys. Bundy is a man of the people. Uh, any kind of Ant Sand content, I'm one. I'm in one thousand percent. And Russ, you are a welcome counterbalance to what your colleagues bring to the table. Keep hammering this team until they change or lose everyone. It's a nice five star review. That is a good one. I like it. You know, Ant, I I have to say this was a little bit cathartic, and I, I feel. <laughs> I feel better after we've done this show. I don't feel better about the future of the Flyers, but I do feel better about the fact that we were able to come on here. We did an hour 15. We held somebody accountable that needed to be held accountable. And I hope, I, I do hope that uh, people who go out and support the team, and I've seen I've seen this on Twitter. I'm sure you have too. There are some people who, who go after the people who, who are still buying tickets or are still going to games. I don't want to target those people, all right? If somebody decides that they want to spend money because they enjoy the game of hockey and they they love their team unconditionally and they still don't support the front office, but they support the players, I don't want people to to go after those folks, okay? And, and I get the idea that the only way that Comcast is going to care is if there are no people paying to go through the turnstiles. I get it. But I hope that if you are listening to the show or you're watching the show and, and you decide to go to a Flyers game this year, I hope you enjoy yourself. I hope that you find something to cheer for. Um, but more importantly, I hope that at some point this organization pulls its head out of the sand, realizes what the problem is, and makes an actual effort to make it better uh, and, and give you the hockey team that you deserve and give you the winner that you deserve. Until then, we're just going to continue to break this team down the way that we need to, to break down this organization as we need to. Um, I will remind people, of course, that they can follow us on Twitter at SnowTheGoalie at Ant San Philly, at Joy on Broad, and of course, our dear friend Bundy, who I believe will be with us on Friday for the trade deadline special mm -hmm. at Cetarian 6. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. You can subscribe to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, if all of that's too complicated, it's too confusing, just go to snowthegoalie.com where you can find uh, the most recent episode on YouTube as well as uh, in your podcast feed and go to snowthegoalie.com. I think there's even like a feedback thing. If you want to send us a message, you can do that. You can email us, snowthegoalie at gmail.com. And of course, and as we prepare the people for what's about to happen, we are T minus 48 hours, no, 50 hours until the trade deadline. We will see if Chuck Fletcher has a deal or two or three up his sleeve. And we'll be back. The goal is to be back on Friday for a live stream. You can go over to the Crossing Broad YouTube page, YouTube page, youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. Go find the, um, the podcast feed. We'll probably set a thing up in advance. We'll be taking questions. So if you have a YouTube account, make sure you sign into it. You can send us questions, comments, and concerns on trade deadline day. Um, I, I hope they do something. I hope they do something good. And more than anything, as we've now said a few times, I hope that this team starts to go in the right direction with what they need to do. So, yeah, it's going to take Ant, a little while, though. For Ant, find him on Twitter. Well, I, I've been told, Anthony, that it, it, it might take longer than they might have hoped. But they're going to build it the right way this time. Sure. Yeah. 
For Ant, you can find on Twitter at AntSanPhilly. I'm Russ at JoyOnBroad. Thank you for listening, maybe even watching Snow the Goalie, the Only Flyers podcast. We'll be back later this week with a trade deadline special. So until then, let's go Flyers.